We've covered electric vehicles of all shapes and sizes, from boats to planes to cars and semis. There's also a market niche for severe mobility or vacational trucks used for some of the heaviest of duties in and around roadways. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations like Zeus Electric Chassis, a Minnesota-based company sustainably meeting the demands of hardworking specialty trucks. And we're joined by founder and chief technology officer, Bob Grinstead. Bob, thanks for joining us on Green Sense. Thank you, Robert. Ford, GM, Rivian, Tesla, they've all been showcasing their electric pickup trucks, the, the web, the TV littered with pictures about it. But you manufacture a different kind of truck. Explain what makes yours different and try to paint that picture for our audience. Sure. Um, yes, yeah, so we manufacture uh, probably the best, best descriptions of severe duty vocational truck, uh, meaning it is uh, built on a, a, uh, a frame, chassis frame that you typically see in a class eight, a big semi tractor trailer. Uh, also, uh, the cab itself is, is uh, designed, uh, engineered and manufactured like you'd see in a emergency vehicle fire apparatus where they, they go through many more times duty cycle than your, your commercial uh, sort of uh, typical truck. Uh, so this thing is, is built to do a lot of work. I'm uh, seeing a picture of the truck behind you as we're uh, doing the interview, and it looks pretty cool. It's matte black. It looks sort of like the cross between a Hummer and, and sort of a bigger uh, utility truck. Uh, what are some of the design and manufacturing challenges uh, you, you had to face making your electric specialty trucks? That is a great question, Robert. So uh, designing a electric truck, you, you have a, a sense of the end user, which are typical uh, typically people uh, that drive diesel trucks. And so you have a connotation of, a, of an electric vehicle, like a Prius or like a bullet shape. I needed this thing to look like, when I see it, I want to drive it. I don't care if it's electric or not. So that's why it looks the way it does. It, it is, invokes a, a sense of that is the coolest thing in the world. I don't care if it's electric or not, I'm going to drive it. Uh, and um, so that's why it looks that way. Manufacturing piece of this is, uh, again, prior life, uh, within special vehicle manufacturing, it's manufactured not with robotic cells, uh, at least yet. Uh, it's manufactured with with really people, uh, people that turn wrenches. And and so some of the challenges, at least near term anyway, are obviously uh, labor force. But we're not talking about a, a person who or technology piece that requires a high degree of of um, uh, technology to build it. Um, even from the cab uh, to the chassis and the propulsion system. It's, it's really bolted together with nuts and bolts. Is that a challenge to manufacture large quantities of this yes. when you're using so many personnel? Yes. So our, we have a niche, uh, as you mentioned, uh, within the vocational truck market. So we're not looking at high volume, like 20, 30, 40, 50,000, like you typically see in like a GM Ford uh, or a commercial type of truck. We're looking at from five to maybe 10,000 most. Uh, so, so it's, yeah, so your manufacturing model makes sense. Since you brought up COVID and the challenges we're facing, one uh, challenge everybody's facing is kinks in the supply chain, especially when it comes to steel. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I know we don't have that much time because I, I could probably hear <laughs> about supply chain nowadays. So steel uh, is, is, along with a lot of other materials, um, and, and components is a huge opportunity. Uh, 
steel prices are fluctuating, uh, lead times to get steel uh, fabrications is challenging right now. So uh, with our design, it, I call the 80-20 rule. So 80% of the vehicle is identical, no matter if we have a different wheelbase or a different body in the back end. Uh, so we're, really, we're trying, which we did, we limited uh, what we would need for a, a steel component or the rear frame that would be sort of specific to the longer lead time. So we count, account that for the most part, it's still an impact. We still need to monitor that, but we're, we're not challenged as far as a, we're going to order 10 pieces now and then five pieces later and then another five pieces. We can order uh, in bulk for 8% of the vehicle. The 20% is where we need to monitor a little closer markets. Yeah, it's a challenge for everybody. Uh, are you seeing any uh, price increases due to this challenge? Yes, price increases for material, uh, price increases for logistics, uh, price increases because of labor and how that affects it. It is um, very challenging right now. And what about uh, the sales of the vehicles? Have those gone up in cost? Uh, we, we, the steel, steel prices per se don't impact it like what batteries are. Batteries are the most expensive commodity of the vehicle right now. It's roughly 4% of the vehicle cost is batteries. Uh, we, we've um, seen some increases, but for the most part held steady. Again, we're not buying mass quantities like, like um, the, the, the current uh, traditional commercial trucks, uh, which means we, we're not impacted as much as the, the, the bottom line per se is other folks. Um, it, it is still expensive, but we're at that, that tier right now of MLQ that keeps us semi uh, in the position. One of the claims your company makes is that, that you can save money on fuel, downtime, and maintenance, all while increasing productivity and reducing emissions. Uh, so let's explore the economics and environmental benefits of your electric truck. Yep. How much reduction in uh, capital expenditure, downtime, and emissions are we looking at? Yeah, so roughly you turn a um, the TSO model roughly uh, four to six years is when you would see a positive relative to what you're spending money for capital expenditure for the vehicles. Uh, so how we do that is the vehicles you see it is designed a lot longer than your typical truck, which means that there are, our model required or in a lot of cases where the fleets would buy a truck and swap it every three, five, six, seven years, where for us, we don't need to. And so you're not buying another 60 to 80,000 vehicle every three to eight years. So right there, you have a capital, um, a capital savings of the vehicle itself. Uh, productivity, uh, which is an interesting question, which I'll get to at the end of this. Um, so relative to emissions, we save, depending on how many miles they drive, um, between 30 to uh, 40,000 um, metric tons, depending on fleet size as well. Uh, for emissions. And again, it all depends on um, uh, the, the fleet, what they're doing, how long they're idling, uh, where, they're, where they're traveling to for the work site. So that is, that's very variable, uh, but we do save uh, emissions, obviously, but we don't, we don't output emissions because we're diesel or gas engine. Uh, so productivity, uh, we, we talk about that. So our bar, and I talk about this a lot of automotive EVs and truck EVs. They are different metrics, different bars. Where automotive would have compromises, meaning I'm going to sacrifice range for EV. I'm going to sacrifice heating for EV in cold temperatures like in Minnesota. I'm going to sacrifice uh, some creature comforts where the EV truck is, that thing better do the same thing and not more than my current diesel truck. So we talk about productivity being the bars, we can't dip below the current bar, we have to go above it. So we talk about 
towing, we talk about horsepower torque, we talk about can it have a payload like I did before? Answer is yes to all of them. So that's just the chassis. We also talk about the body piece as well, making sure that, and again, I'll probably go a little bit more detail, but our customer, the fleets, they they really focus on the body. Like what is the tool they asked in the back of this asset on the back of the vehicle, the chassis, cap chassis, that they want to focus on. So as long as we don't change that, which is our, our sort of mantra, we can put the same bodies we put on today on our electric chassis, we have a very good conversation. So again, it goes into productivity. Can I use the same uh, same operating procedure, same tools I did today on this electric truck? And the answer is like, like is yes, we, we do make sure that happens. We, we are very um, uh, intimate as far as with the fleets and the business models, how they get money and make sure we can continue making that uh, happen. What about uh, uh, maintenance on the vehicle? You know, we've all heard how uh, electric in, uh, motors have so many uh, less moving parts. Uh, how does that uh, result in a savings reduction? Yeah, so relative to the maintenance and um, uh, what you have to do to maintain the vehicle. So there's your typical wiper fluid. You have to check your uh, wheels and tires like you do, do typically, uh, but you're not checking uh, def. You're not checking oil or transmission fluid. Uh, so it's a lot less. Uh, like tremendously a lot less as far as what they have to do to the vehicles. Um, so when you, the vehicle is uh, in the fleet and we still have scheduled uh, checks just to make sure, for example, we do put uh, grease and oil into the axles uh, that has a, a, a scheduled event for checking those, um, but there's not much. And so what happens is uh, we get the question of, well, what are my maintenance crews going to do now? Uh, which is a good question. Yeah. Um, but we also asked the question, what do they do today and how many trucks do you have down that if they were up, you'd be having much more revenue coming in. And that is always the, the common, well, I always have either one or two or 10 vehicles down and they're always working on them. Okay, if they're not working on them, they're always up, guess what's gonna happen? So it is a, it's a good conversation to have and it's enlightening for all of us at the table to talk about what that means. Well, and one of the side benefits is the environmental benefits. All that oil that you uh, have to change on a regular basis doesn't get changed and it doesn't get thrown out. So I would imagine that your maintenance costs probably are equal to or exceed your uh, fuel savings costs. Yes, it is accurate. It is very accurate. So that, that is um, a less of a variable relative to fuel, uh, fuel savings. Well, some good news. You recently announced your first customer, the Sacramento Municipal Utility District, uh, and it took a few years to get from uh, founding the company to landing this first deal. In, in a thumbnail, uh, just a brief summary, give us uh, the high points of your entrepreneurial journey from how you came up with this concept to how you made that first sale, because it's never easy. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is very not easy. So um, really origin story is roughly eight years ago, saw a fleet of vehicles on the road, a lot of them. And so I did the math in my head, like, well, that's minimum $5,000 right there burning. And so I did the, the model of, hey, if I can save money because idling or doing this work, and I've designed vehicles before in the past and systems, so it, it's not outside the norm. The difference was, can the business model to the different type of vehicle make sense? And it does. It makes sense. In most cases, not a silver bullet by any means, but but for fleets uh, that uh, have um, uh, certain routes within 60 to 150 miles, idle quite a bit, makes sense. So designed the vehicle up in, the, in a few years and then went to look for money, investors. So you've seen what the vehicle looks like. It's not a tooled up like you see 
uh, today. Uh, so I said, hey, I need, I need uh, three to $5 million to get this thing moving and uh, show them the numbers and, and show them, hey, this is how it works uh, for what is tool, what's not tool. And they're like, you're nuts. You have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, after a few years, I, I hung it up and said, this is dumb. I can't get this across to the investors. I uh, met a few investors that kicked in, built a, a mule. And then from there, it really skyrocketed relative to the message of what this vehicle is. It is, it is like I said before, um, we need to ensure that the fleets continue with their SOPs and be able to put their current bodies on, do the current missions, make sure their, their, their business is sustainable and environment is sustainable as well. Uh, and that message, message resonated with SMUD. They said, so what you're telling me is we can have our current bodies from the current uh, body uh, manufacturer and still have a relationship and give us electrified vehicles. The answer is yes, that's important to us. It's important we not disrupt your relationship with, with how you operate your tools on the back end. And so that's really how SMUD happened. And from there, it was a conversation about how do you specify electric work trucks now? So it's a learning piece. All uh, so again, this isn't like your typical automotive electric, electric vehicle spec. Or I'm gonna go, go buy a Prius or a Leaf or uh, a Volt or a Bolt. It's like, what are we doing here to make sure that um, creating SOPs within a, a a standard sort of bill material standard truck package? And so we spent roughly six months. The majority of this, the 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 six months was talking about on the body side to ensure the body is the same. That's in a bound roundabout way from, from uh, um, a birth to where at right now. So. Well, thanks for that nice, concise summary. But uh, the one question comes to mind that's sort of somewhat obvious is if you save them money and you reduce emissions, what's your biggest challenge in uh, effectuating a sale? Well, that is a great question. Um, the, the biggest challenge, to be honest, is, is having some intimate conversations with the, with the customers, with the fleets. And and because what happens sometimes is and, and SMUD is not like this. They're very they they know what exactly they're doing for SOPs, how much they're spending in fuel maintenance, all that. So in some cases, please come back and we ask the question: Well, how many uh, how many hours are idling? It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe this. Well, okay, what's your maintenance cost? Well, I, I don't track that. So it gets into a little dicey as far as because we ask really good questions to understand: Does the vehicle we have available fit the business model? So the challenging piece is getting as accurate as information as possible to make sure that when you do propose a truck to them, uh, that makes sense. It makes sense in the current state and also during performance and also when they're using the vehicle as well. Well, like any good entrepreneur, you're not standing still. Uh, you've recently announced a new electric RV. Uh, when do you hope to have that on the market and what are some of its outstanding features? And why um, hasn't anybody done that before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, with Solvent Sport, it's a, a great company, great team with uh, Tom and Kyle there. Uh, our understanding is next year we have a few pieces to work out relative to how we want to configure the vehicles for their off-road uh, body. Um, but uh, within that business model, it's, it's unlike the utility or location work trucks. This is a model where uh, people want to be off grid, and they don't want to. Um, they want to be out in the environment, out in the world. So you look at that model of, hey, it's an, it's a clean vehicle. Uh, but then you look at the vehicle itself and say, well, okay, what what can it do? Well, we look at great ability. We look at the suspension. We look at the drivetrain, and it is unlike anything else that's out there today, uh, relative to um, approach angle, 
the great ability of suspension downs, it, um, it, 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 it uh, raises the bar relative to what the vehicle can do within those environments out there. So if you're trekking along out in uh, uh, out west, uh, now you can have actual all-wheel drive, 22 inches of jounce, uh, roughly 35 degree approach angle, and not worry about this thing going down. And what kind of uh, mileage can you get to a charge? So we, that's a good question, actually. So we, we nominally talk about 150 miles, whether that's three batteries or whether it's eight batteries. It depends on, the, again, we ask the question, what are you doing with the truck besides driving it? So uh, we, we, we hit, we, 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 we identify the nominal based on the business model, which is usually 100 to 150 miles. And then for charging, uh, we have we talk about a level two charger up to roughly 19, 20 kilowatts uh, or DC cash charging. So within our customer uh, base right now, uh, the, the model is they have a home base, they go out, come back again. So it's overnight charge. So if you have 100 kilowatt hours per se, and you have a 20 kilowatt charger, it's gonna be roughly five hours to charge. You just take the, the total battery kilowatt hours and that the charge. Um, that seems like a low amount of mileage for an RV. I would think that you'd wanna get it higher in that three to 500 mile range. Uh, why did you settle on that, that, that amount of charge as being adequate? For, well, for the RV specifically, um, uh, we are targeting much higher mileage. And obviously for work trucks, we'd target 150. For, for Sullivan, we're talking 300. Uh, okay, so I misunderstood. When I asked that question, that was for the RV. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I apologize. The, so the RV gets in the 300s? Yeah, that is our target right now. So okay. we take the, the total vehicle weight, I think roughly 14 to 16,000 pounds, and uh, how fast the vehicle run on-road and off-road, we need to calculate how many batteries it takes. So... For that, uh, for the application, we're looking at 210 to uh, roughly 240 kilowatt hours of battery. For, for that, that factory makes, size, it's pretty big. But that 100-mile, uh, 150-mile charge for your trucks makes all the sense in the world. Those aren't driving long distance, that are, that, right? Yep, exactly. And, and for overlanding, um, uh, what Sullivan wants to do is it's a different model. So we talk about, okay, are, are people going to have a level 2 DC fast charge available? No. Okay, now what do we do? It's, it's, a, it's a problem we need to solve, and we will ha we have some solution out there. We just need to run that to ground. Well, all entrepreneurs, uh, uh, you know, love what they do. They're very passionate about it because you you face many challenges every day in running a business. Um, what excites you most? Problem solving. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just what I do. <laughs> that's what I've been doing for a very long time, and I like it. I like the challenge. I like. I like. I like to have a conversation with, with, a, uh, I'll call it customer, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, um, we have a, a joint goal and it's a matter of, okay, I, I want to make sure that, 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 um, a new friend of ours can, can really, when they ask the question and, and say, Hey, I want to be able to do this. And our response is yes. And then we talk about how we do that together. That's, that's what I love doing. Well, Bob, we need more problem solvers, especially now as climate change becomes more real for a larger amount of the population and electric vehicles and new innovations that uh, save money and save the environment is what we're all going to uh, be looking for in the future. So thanks for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you and your truck looks really cool. Awesome. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate it. That's Zeus Electric Chassis founder and 
Chief Technology Officer, Bob Grinstead. This is Robert Colangelo, and you're listening to GreenSense. Subscribe to our podcast at greensensefarms.com and check out the GreenSense Minute on Thursday and Saturdays on News Radio 105.9 WBBM Chicago.